You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. I am your host, Brendan Clean. I cover the Suns and the NBA at SB Nation as well as Dime Magazine. Follow me on Twitter at BrendanClean14. Follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnPHXSuns. And it's extension talk day here on a Friday edition of Locked On Suns. Getting your daily dose of the Phoenix Suns every single weekday here on the show. And... Mikael Bridges, DeAndre Ayton still have not signed their extensions. Terry Rozier, guys like that continue to cash in, as I said. And it begs the question of what is going on. Why have we not seen the Suns' young players cash in? So we'll start with DeAndre Ayton, we'll get to Mikael Bridges, and then we'll close the show with what might happen, how it could actually help the Suns in the long term, even if it might not potentially help the players themselves um, just sort of lay the landscape out here because it has been about two weeks since NBA free agency opened. It feels like much, much more than that. I guess it's about two and a half, but time does indeed fly. And no deals. No deals for Mikhail Bridges or DeAndre Ayton. So let's start with Ayton. I do want to preface everything by saying 2018 draft, those are the players eligible for rookie scale contract extensions. They've played for three seasons. Before their fourth season, which will be starting in a couple of months, they have the chance to sign an extension. It was eligible to be signed basically a few hours after the start of free agency. It is eligible to be signed up until the end of October. There's always that deadline day when these things either do or do not get done. Some do wait that long. So it's not over until it's over. But the delay speaks volumes, in my opinion, particularly with DeAndre Ayton. But let's go over who has and who has not signed these deals across the NBA really quickly first so that we can uh, understand the landscape a little bit better. So Shea Gildas-Alexander, Trey Young, and Luka Doncic are the yeses. Those players are signed. All of them got a max contract. They are off of the table. Now, players who have not sign those extensions who, you know, for all intents and purposes have a relatively similar pedigree to Aiton and Bridges, maybe not finals players, but very good players in their own right who have not yet signed those types of contracts. Michael Porter Jr., Jaron Jackson Jr., who was, of course, the number four overall pick, and Colin Sexton and Kevin Herter. So we, we saw and heard the trade discussions with, uh, not discussions, rumors or interest on Colin Sexton. We know that Jaron Jackson has struggled with injuries. Kevin Herter also dealt with injuries this past season. Um, Michael Porter Jr., very similar. So in terms of good players on great teams, you would say Herter and Porter Jr. are the most similar to Aiton and Bridges. So there is at least some sort of um, comparison to be made in terms of what it is that is happening around the NBA. Bridges and Aiton are not on their own in this boat. But Aiton in particular, I think the timing is very interesting. The fact that it did not happen right away when you see the deals that did happen right away were maxes. And that always is what happens. Jamal Murray last season, 
Ben Simmons last season, I believe Pascal Siakam uh, in 2019, and then in 2020 we had Bam Adebayo and and these types of, of guys. And it always happens immediately, De'Aaron Fox, um, Jason Tatum. It always happens right away, right? So when it doesn't happen right away, what that says to me is that it's probably not going to be a max contract because the no-brainer maxes tend to happen right away. So what I would say that that means is that there is a a push and pull happening between DeAndre Ayton's camp and his agent Eamon Amakian and the Suns' camp. And we've already seen on every contract, I guess aside from you could make the case JaVale McGee, there has basically been a real victory on the part of the Suns and and some squeezing that has happened. Some, you know, go find your market. Oh, wait, there isn't one. Yes, come back and here's your money. And it's going to be less than maybe what you had hoped. That has happened with Chris Paul and with Cameron Payne. And it might be what's happening here with DeAndre Ayton. The Suns probably have a number in their head that feels a lot more reasonable. They can probably look at DeAndre Ayton and say, where is the production that would earn you that spot with the max contract. I've been using the Bam Adebayo deal as a comparison, obviously, for obvious reasons. A finals run, a young center, a two-way player. I do think Bam is still a little bit better than DeAndre Ayton because he's more of a playmaker and probably, on the whole, a better defensive player, at least as things currently stand, understanding he's a little bit older. So, that was probably... That probably is gone now as a comparison, at least in terms of what what the expectation should be. I would guess that is probably the case that Aiton's camp is making, but I don't think it's probably the most likely scenario anymore. I think a few things play into that. Obviously, the delay here that we're talking about is one. I think the other part of it that I don't even want to say worries me because I don't personally have a stake in, in how much money DeAndre Aiton makes, and I think Paying him less is probably more favorable favorable to the Suns, so most Suns fans will probably root for flexibility for their team, and, and paying eight and less would give them that. But I think his finish to the season, which I actually, we talked about a little bit with um, Damon on Monday's show, which you can check out on the YouTube channel or wherever you listen to podcasts, it didn't end great, right? I mean, we can... I don't really want to get too caught up in the Giannis matchup in particular, but I do think that there is a legitimacy to looking at the offensive creation issues, which are clearly there, and the inability to defend a face-up isolation perimeter-based big man scorer like Giannis or Anthony Davis. Those were two matchups he faced that he did not succeed in quite the same way, Aiden, and especially the inability to do that without fouling. These are developmental areas of his game that I'm optimistic can improve, but I don't think if you're doing a negotiation right now, he can't come to them and say, I have accomplished this, this, and that. He also will have a track record that most recently led to a pretty disappointing performance in the finals. So all of that to say, the delay that reality of his performance, and the fact that last season was really the only time he had effectively proven over and over consistently that he is a great player, leads me to believe we're back to the realm of the lower 
comparison contracts. And there's not really anybody on a deal like this currently in the NBA, but we've seen it in the past. Think Giannis Antetokounmpo, Rudy Gobert, their first extensions prior to signing their max contracts was shorter, wasn't the five years, and it was a little bit less than their maximum. So both of those players signed about four-year, $100 million extensions because similar to DeAndre Ayton in some ways, although not the same exact trajectory, they were slower to come along. Rudy was thin. He didn't have much of an offensive game. Still, you could argue, doesn't have a superior offensive game. And Giannis, of course, coming out of Greece, being a very, very raw player and needing to physically fill out, that's where we are. And the fact that those players are great players makes it a lot easier. It's not, to me, I don't think it's quite as insulting to come to Jan Drayton and say, this is what we'd like to pay you. It's more than a Miles Turner. It's more than a Brooke Lopez. That's the comp that I was giving for most of the regular season. What he did in the playoffs earned him a lot, but I don't think it's the max. I think it's going to settle in around there. We'll close the show talking about what could come of this and what might happen but I think that's where things currently stand. We did not see it get signed right away. That to me says it's not going to be a max. I think that is probably accurate given what he has done in the NBA and what he is coming off of last season. And we'll have to see how it develops. I'm not positive that it necessarily gets done anytime soon. We'll talk about that again to close the show, but a lot of you were pretty confident that it will happen by opening night. We'll have to see. The other guy, of course, who is being negotiated with at the same time as Mikhail Bridges. We'll get into what may or may not happen with him coming out of the break. First, though, quick break from our friends at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports, whether that is NFL preseason. If you really live and die by this stuff, I'm sure you are thrilled for the return of football. Maybe it's baseball, stretch run, maybe it is fights, golf, whatever it is, BetOnline has you covered. Constantly updated news, sign-up bonuses, and contest info to get you into the loop. So before the next pitch, kickoff, tip-off, whatever it may be, head over to BetOnline, make a bet, get in on the action, and have some fun. The way to do that is to go, once again, to BetOnline.ag on the web or on their mobile app. Make an account, and when you do, use the promo code LOCKEDON to get a 50% welcome bonus straight to your account. That's promo code locked on when you make your first deposit to get a 50% welcome bonus straight to your account. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, let's get to Mikhail Bridges, who I want to make some comparisons here as well um, because I think the Suns' own history is relevant here. So coming off of that, Robin Lopez, uh, <laughs> beat myself to it. Coming off of the DeAndre Ayton conversation, Robin Lopez is a very um, reasonable comparison to look at. So th- this was back in 2012, was his deadline to be offered a new contract, and he did not get offered one. The Suns decided not to make an agreement with him, probably some some give and, and take with what it was that he wanted. He, of course, eventually leaves the team. The other comparison that will get us on the Mikhail Bridges track is TJ Warren. And I think people forget that that happened because he was uh, given away for very little, actually um, nothing, a couple of years after he signed the deal. But Warren did sign a four-year $50 million contract extension in the fall of 2017. This is actually right before I started doing this podcast, which makes 
me feel some existential dread if I'm being completely honest with everybody, but that's not important. TJ Warren's contract extension came after quite a delay, September 25th, basically right as training camp was um, breaking, if you'll remember. And it was, I think it was right after media day. I remember it being very close to Suns media day and it was a really reasonable contract extension. Now, very little is similar here. No more Ryan McDonough. This was prior to James Jones even being part of this organization. Trevor Buxine is still around. He is the Suns cap guy. So the Suns have had some decent success when they have chosen to do deals like this. Obviously, Devin Booker, just getting him to return was pretty good. And then what they've been able to do this offseason in terms of getting Payne and Paul back, there is a track record of some of these things going in the Suns' favor. And I think, again, with the Warren contract, it's that delay that you look at, right? So not that we ever thought Mikael Bridges was going to go out and get a major, major contract extension. But again, if the player and the team come to an agreement immediately, that tends to mean that it's going to be a pretty hefty deal. And like I've said, for the most part, it is maximum players who get it right away. But I also think this shows with Warren that it doesn't have to happen right away and it can still there can still be a, a happy medium that's found. There's also contracts that get signed at the extension deadline every single offseason. OGN and Obi, for example, I believe was one of those. And he's been a guy that a lot of people have compared Mikhail Bridges to in terms of what the contract might look like. What I also think is worth comparing here as we talk about Mikhail Bridges, what he might be in store for, who his contract could take after. I think that you're seeing a lot of extensions happening. And we'll get to that to close the show because I think it's all part of a trend here. Um, just from talking to folks around the league and, and reading, I would recommend people go read Dan Devine's story at The Ringer. Um, it's about Terry Rozier's extension, but it's really about NBA free agency as it currently stands. What did we see this offseason? What do we see next offseason and why? And Rozier signed a four-year, $97 million contract extension this uh, this morning on Thursday morning. And that deal was f- four years, 97 million. It's huge. It's huge. And we've seen players get some of these extensions earlier and to a more lucrative degree than many of us might have thought. Um, I believe there was another one just a few days ago that was quote unquote a max, Marcus Smart. And so those are not quite the same types of players as Mikhail Bridges. But what I think the story is here in some ways is the flexibility that teams want to have. And so if we can operate with that delay in mind, understanding that that Mikhail Bridges is probably not going to get his Jalen Brown over $100 million mega deal, because again, like Aiton, and to an even greater extent than Aiton, he is not coming off of a performance in the postseason and the finals that he can really bargain on all that well. If we look at that, and we look at the fact that a lot of these teams are seeking out the flexibility of having decent, if slightly excessive, salaries on the books, then I think we should feel pretty optimistic that both sides will want to get something done for Mikhail Bridges because Mikhail, I think, is a loyal dude. I think he understands that he's in a very good position to succeed here. Now, Mikhail Bridges could be great anywhere, 
But I think he, like Cameron Payne, in my opinion, is a guy who is probably willing to compromise a little bit and without it causing wrinkles in in things, without it causing problems, without it being a locker room issue. So I feel optimistic that something will happen. I feel optimistic something will happen with DeAndre Ayton as well. So both of these guys should be signed by opening night. I do agree. I think it was about 75 to 80% of you in the Twitter poll that I put out at Locked on PHX Suns um, agreed and said yes to whether each of these guys would would get uh, a contract extension. But I, I want to get to the last segment soon because I think we're getting to the what will happen and why part of this. But I think the things to think about with Bridges are it's not going to be quite as big as we thought, just like with Aiton. And I think that OGN and OB contract may be really where the Suns look. So the Jonathan Isaac, I believe, was four years, 80, probably somewhere in that range. And I think that that, again, like Aiton, it's not insulting. It's not an insulting number. Those guys have had similar production to him. They are also players who helped become part of a young core with their organizations, OG in Toronto, Isaac in Orlando. They're sort of the young, some of the young faces of their franchises, just like Bridges would be. So I think you're not coming and saying, you know, take the the TJ Warren contract. Nobody is, is thinking that way, but I think it's not going to be quite as huge and it's going to be somewhere in the middle. And that leads me to the, to the last point that's really going to be the last segment here, which is the contract for Aiton, but especially the contract for Bridges. What it means is that it's very team-friendly for both just it's not as much money as it could have been, but also it's very, very tradable. And we're seeing a, a new run on those types of contracts. That's part of why somebody like Boston or Charlotte would look at Rogier and Smart and say, sure, let's just do the extension, keep these guys happy, lock a good player in long-term, but also have salaries that we are comfortable with moving around. So we'll get into that in just a moment. First though, a quick word from our friends over at Rock Auto. Look guys, I know it is pretty much impossible, frankly, to walk into a dealership or a car parts store these days. Trust that you're going to get what you need at a reasonable price. It just doesn't happen. You walk in, you tell them what you have, you tell them what's broken, what needs repair, what needs replacing, and they just look for ways to screw you. You're not going to be ordering in bulk. You're not going to be ordering um, necessarily the cheapest thing in the world, and they know that. So Rock Auto cuts all of the middleman, all of the drama right out of the picture. They have been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They know what it takes to get the right things to you. They know how to keep prices cheap, and they know what do-it-yourselfers need, right? It's not going to be the fanciest thing. It's not going to be the shiniest, most expensive part. They know you need what you need quickly, cheaply, and efficiently. So all you got to do to take advantage of Rock Auto, you don't need an account, you don't need a subscription, you just go to rockauto.com, type in the part, type in the car that you have, scroll down to the part that you need, hit purchase, and it's at your door within days. Here's what you need to do. Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and when you make your purchase, write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Today's show also brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever, my favorite protein bar, and more accurately, the healthiest candy bar ever. Again, I told you guys I'm finishing off the box that I was 
fortunate enough to get at a recent meeting with these guys because they really do care about the Valley. I'll talk about that in just a second, but I'm just, just, just completely swallowing down a coconut bar. And I'm literally thinking to myself, is this an Almond Joy or am I going crazy? It is that good. It is that delicious. It is that soft. These things are not bricky, chalky messes like so many protein bars are. No, they are delicious. They are packed with protein under 180 calories, under five grams of sugar, exactly what you need to get your morning started, to get yourself going in the afternoon, power up after a workout, whatever way you use protein bars, these will work for that as well. And best of all, like I said, they are opening a distribution center here in the Valley so you can get your bars right to where you live as quickly as possible. Try another favorite. Go back to the well and get what you love, whether that is strawberry, coconut like I was just talking about, maybe mint brownie, or try something new. Summertime flavors, orange, cookies and cream, whatever it may be. Tons of delicious options over at Built Bar. And use the promo code LOCKED15 when you go to Built.com to get a 15% discount on your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Okay, closing out the show here. Again, plugging the Dan Devine piece over at The Ringer. I think it talks a lot about these things, but The main point is we're seeing a lot of these extensions and the main method by which players move around these days is by trade. We've been, we've seen this with the Miami Heat for many years now where they seemingly pull a rabbit out of the hat because they have either non-guaranteed contracts, mid-sized contracts that are tradable, um, young players on rookie contracts, draft picks way, way down the road. They seemingly find a way to make these deals all of the time. Talking about it a little bit yesterday in terms of the youth to close yesterday's show about how the Suns getting younger was quietly a very important part of the season or of the offseason for them. All of it goes together. If they can get Mikhail Bridges on a smaller contract, let's say just to split the difference, it's halfway between the OGN and OB contract and the Jonathan Isaac contract. Isaac contract. Let's say it's four years, $76 million. Maybe they throw a player option on there just to go ahead and entice Bridges a little bit more. Let's say, again, with that Gobert and Giannis comparison in mind for the Suns, that they go out there and get those two guys, uh, Aiton, on a four-year, $100 million deal. Let's say he gets a player option as well. So, tradable because they're 25 and 17 or 18 million dollars, 19, whatever it is for Bridges per, you know, that's $44 million of salary. You can start to stack some some money together in that way. Now, again, I will mention a few extra things within that. By signing an extension, the Suns can then turn around next offseason and immediately trade these players. Not that I expect it, but it, it gives them that flexibility. Whereas if they were to wait and either have Aiton and Bridges test restricted free agency, which would be an alarm an alarm going off, or just sign in a new contract with them at that time after their fourth season is, is basically complete, they would not be able to trade those players until basically the following offseason or some sometime between there during the season. So it gives them that added flexibility. All of this is shaping up to basically allow the Suns to be way more flexible than they've been able to be in the past because they had 
Ubre and Rubio, who were effectively the only contracts that they had on the books that were tradable last offseason. They turned those into Chris Paul. Coming into this offseason, they really didn't have much at all because they had Jay Crowder and they had Dario Saric, but they need Crowder and they couldn't really trade Saric. And Chris Paul and Devin Booker make a ton of money and aren't available to be dealt. So there wasn't a lot of money to be assembled into a package. They will have that now. They also obviously have players who are going to be making a reasonable amount of money who are not overpaid. So that obviously helps as well. All of it is benefiting the team, but that's not all that matters, right? So very good for the team. The fact that there has been this delay, the way that the other extensions have been shaping up, the fact that there's not a ton of free agency salary cap space next year or players who will be available. We'll just have a a pretty quiet free agency period next summer because of all of these extensions and just the nature of not a lot of players are available or even projected to be available. So that's the the team side. Things are shaping up very well for the Suns to have flexibility, get these guys at a reasonable rate. And if for whatever reason, they find a superstar available, they aren't happy with the current roster, they'll have the ability to trade it a little bit more easily. But on the player side, I do think it's worth mentioning because this stuff doesn't happen in a vacuum. I am typically very much on the side of players being able to get what they've earned. And I don't think it's, I definitely don't think, despite my concerns and and intrigue about where DeAndre Ayton's career might go, that he's like not somebody who should be getting a a new contract. I I definitely think a four-year, $100 million or so deal is, is well within reason. So he should get that. But I think there's obviously the risk when you compound the Chris Paul situation, the Cameron Payne situation, the fact that those guys made very little money. Uh, Not very little money. That's obviously an exaggeration. They made less than they could have, less than they were expected to. And we could see something similar play out in the near future with DeAndre and Mikhail Bridges. It starts to... um, it's the right thing to do from a team management standpoint in terms of the pure numbers. But I do just think, and not to be so cynical about it, I know I can get on these rolls where I'm just really rolling in it, but for a front office that tries so hard to affect the way that their players and their organization is perceived in terms of how it treats players, not wanting to call players' pieces, for instance, and, and just these different ways of talking about things. The fact that this organization is also the one squeezing some of these players and paying them less and prolonging negotiations, it is, again, fair, perfectly within reason, and paying them what they're worth. But it is also a fact that it is less than they could make. It's not a max. It's not the high end of what they might get if things go this way. And so that brings about, you know, what is the culture going to be like? The culture is very easy to build in 2019 when it's Ricky Rubio and the kids who are proving themselves, making very little money, hungry to win, hungry for their next contract. It's a wholly different thing to keep players happy, to keep players engaged, to keep players from from quarreling um, when money gets involved, when high-level money, high-level expectations, high-level stress comes into play. And, you know, DeAndre Ayton is a player who told us right there at the beginning of his career that getting this second contract was something that was very important to him, something he was very much looking forward to. And 
look, Mikael Bridges is a, is a winning player who has proven himself improved and been a massive part of the identity of this team. Not paying those guys, I don't know if it will go quite as well as it has with Cameron Payne. I talked about how him giving an interview and talking about how he was never going to leave and all this and, and being okay with the money situation was a promising step for the culture. But you start to compound these and you risk stepping on a little bit of a landmine when it comes to are you keeping guys happy? Are Is everybody on the same page? Is everybody understanding of the facts of the situation? So it may help the Suns in terms of roster building. It may be fair. But the reality is anyone who's underpaid or feels underpaid is going to react to that in one way or another. They're either going to accept it and learn to live with it or it's going to wear on them and just be something that is in the back of their mind. So a lot, a lot at stake, a lot to chew on and a lot that will really define not only in the numbers of everything, but also the emotions of everything, the future of this franchise. What will this team look like? How will it look together? And what can it do going forward aside from the internal development stuff that I talked about with Damon? How these guys progress as players is enormously important, but this stuff really, really matters too. And it's something the Suns haven't had to deal with in a long, long time. Something that we haven't had to talk about or think about as Suns fans in a long time. Players took a lot of money to come here because the Suns had to overpay and everyone else made chump change because they were rookies who were treated as disposable. This is a different phase of team building. This is a different phase of roster building and it's fascinating. And I hope that these guys are able to cash in. I hope that they that the two sides can come to something that nobody has their feelings hurt and the team can continue to improve down the line. But it doesn't always work that way. It's not always that easy. And as more time ticks, I think Suns fans understandably get a little bit nervous. So just wanted to address that today, get you through the weekend with some of that. Again, subscribe to the YouTube page if you have not already. That's Locked on Suns on YouTube. Wherever you're listening, please do the same. Kelly Oubre bobblehead could be yours if we get, when, when, when we get to 1,000 subscribers here on the YouTube channel. I'm going every day through the end of the month, so you will not miss me at all. And then we'll uh, slow things down a bit until we get to training camp. But thank you for listening as always. Enjoy your weekend. And I'll be back Monday with my man, Brandon.